We commence today's show in conversation with the ranking Democrat and former chair of the House Financial Services Committee, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Let's get her reflections right now on the 15th anniversary of the 2008 financial crisis and whether it could happen once again. Congresswoman Waters, always an honor to have you on this program. How are you today? Well, I'm doing fine, and just listening to your agenda uh, with Tavis, and that's tremendous. <laughs> uh, the kind of work that you guys are doing um, just really is, uh, you know, the kind of work that needs to be done to educate our community. Keep them in touch. I love it. Thank no, you. I appreciate so it. Uh, that, that means a lot to, to me uh, personally uh, and uh, the work that we're doing coming coming from you, uh, Congresswoman Waters. So, uh, so thank you, Auntie Maxine. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, let, let me just jump right in. Um, it's 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 almost hard to uh, to imagine uh, in some ways. In other ways, it seems like yesterday um, this uh, financial crisis that threatened to ruin and wreck this country, uh, thanks to uh, uh, the the behavior of some of some greedy folk. Uh, I'll leave that to you to unpack. Uh, but does does it seem does it seem that far away to you? Fifteen years ago. Well, you know. The work of trying to make our financial institutions responsible, uh, all of our banking, all of Wall Street, is ongoing work. Oftentimes, the overall public is not aware of what we have to do uh, to hold them accountable. Mm. I just left a hearing where they want to not increase, um, you know, the... Um, the amount of resources, the money uh, that the banks hold, uh, so that uh, in case of a meltdown of some kind or run on the bank, mm -hmm. uh, they have the money to survive. And so, uh, you know, I was surprised not again uh, at the uh, Republicans who simply was protecting the big banks mm -hmm. again and not wanting them to have the capital that they need to have available in order to ensure uh, that they can meet the demands at any given time uh, for that capital. Mm -hmm. And so it's ongoing. But, yes, I was right in the middle mm -hmm. of what happened September 15, 2008, when Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. And at the time of its collapse, Lehman was the fourth largest investment bank in the United States with about I think it was $639 billion in assets and $639 billion in liabilities. And so that was the start of it. it nobody knew what to do. Mm. It was absolutely a shocker. And so for years, the Wall Street banks, like Lehman Brothers, had bundled up these predatory mortgage loans. Mm. Now, when I say predatory, these are the kind of loans where, you know, they had started to, you know, put loans out with no down payments, uh, you know, put loans out with little down payments and promising that, you know, people could get into these homes, didn't tell them that the devil was going to come due and the interest rates were going to increase tremendously and they would not be earning any more money mm. uh, five years from now than they were earning now. And when those interest rates increase and your mortgage increase, you may be double, then you're about to lose your home. Mm. And, of course, that happened all over this country. And so, yes, I recall it was involved in the conference committee that created the Dodd 
frank reforms mm-hmm. to try and deal with all of this predatory lending. No, it's a it's a it's a it's a fascinating story of what happened, and so many books have been written about it. I've interviewed people over the course of my career about what happened. Uh, but it's nothing like talking to somebody who was right there in Congress in the midst of this. Uh, our guest, yeah. uh, our guest in this first half hour is the ranking uh, Democrat uh, on the House Financial Services Committee, uh, former chair of that committee, of course, when Democrats ran the House, uh, and um, she was in the midst of it. I look forward to unpacking a bit more with uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive, progressive. unapologetically blind. Black, black, black. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Helping to, make, to you make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley in conversation with Congresswoman Maxine Waters as we uh, talk about uh, the financial collapse of 15 years ago, believe it or not. There is some breaking news on uh, uh, Donald Trump that we'll get to and get her take on as as well. Uh, there's always breaking news on Donald Trump these days. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. Too much of that. So I'll, I'll get get her take on that uh, in just a moment. A judge has ruled uh, on um, uh, a Donald Trump uh, uh, request in Georgia. So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Stick around. You'll hear Maxine Waters right. okay. sound, sound off right. on that. I, I'll break it down for you and get your take on it. Uh, that okay. that, that right. said, though, the, 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 I guess the penultimate question is whether or not what happened 15 years ago you think can happen again. Absolutely. It could happen. Let me just, you know, tell you that the biggest financial institutions in this country have to be made accountable. We have to watch them. We have to challenge them. We have to find them. Right in the Crenshaw area, down the street from the Tavis Smiley building, Mm. is something called City National Mortgage, a City National Bank. Mm -hmm. It's a little bank that they stuck on Crenshaw Avenue to try and make believe that they had diversity in lending. We caught them, Mm -hmm. and we find them. They didn't even have someone there who could take uh, information to give you a mortgage. They were trying to make it look as if they were serving the black community. And, of course, I went up to Consolidated Realty with all of the realtors, and I told them that, you know, you're looking for places to get uh, your clients' uh, mortgages financed. Right down the hill from you is this bank. Uh, that's taking money out of the community, but they're not putting it back in. And so you've got to challenge them. Take your request for mortgages down there and make them fund them. But we find them the largest fine that we find any banks uh, in the state for years. And so we have to make them accountable. And so, yes, it could happen if we allow those who rely on the special interests for funding their campaigns, et cetera, uh, to rule them. And, boy, they have a lot of support. The banks are very, very big, very important, and very influential Mm. in government. And so we have to fight all the time against that. Yes, we could have failures like you had in Silicon Valley Bank Mm -hmm. recently, Mm -hmm. and you had uh, three banks that failed. And, of course, the government got together, and we did what was necessary to keep it from being a run on the banks. But that's an example of what could happen, and it could be so large and so many banks involved that the government would not be able to do what it did Mm. with the three banks that failed in our own state. Uh, Happened to be not in Los Angeles area, but up in uh, the... uh, 
the San Francisco yeah. area. To, to, yeah. to, you've been in Washington a long time, um, and you are yes, a, 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 right. a, a powerful player in Washington, as I said, as chairman of this committee um, uh, some time ago, yes. now the ranking Democrat. You wield a lot of power in, uh, in D.C., and frankly, nobody in the history of this republic. His, I want to put a fine point on this. Nobody in the history of this, of this republic who is black has ever had as much power as Maxine Waters has in Congress over the banking industry. I mean, it's just I want to be clear about the role that she's played and the power she's wielded uh, in wields today, even in Congress when it comes to the banking community. So let me just ask you a point blank question. If I said to you, if I said to you that I believe that Washington is bought and bossed, bought and bossed by big banks and big money, you'd say what? You'd agree or disagree with that? Well, I basically agree. Now, that's not 100% of all the members of Congress. Sure, we, have progressive, sure. we have progressive members. But, yes, they have a lot of influence. They spend a lot of money uh, on uh, elected officials and campaigns, and they walk around here like they own it, mm. and they can walk into the Treasurer's office. They can walk into the Fed's office. They can walk into FDIC's office or OCC's office. All of our regulators, they're so big, they have these relationships. That's why... The progressives in this Congress are constantly fighting uh, with not only the regulators, but with the banks themselves. And I plan on have, having a hearing in Los Angeles with the biggest banks uh, to talk about what they're doing as a result of the fines that we have made and the uh, mutual understanding we're supposed to have mm-hmm. about how they will continue any fraudulent actions, any predatory lending. And so I want the people to understand what they have agreed that they would do to fix all of this. Uh, but yes, they have a lot of power yeah. and a lot of influence. Fifteen years ago, you recall uh, very clearly, um, the, the mantra was that these banks were too big to fail. They were too big right. to fail. That's right. um, how, That's do you, right. how do you read that, that frame, that, that, that phrase? How do you read it in retrospect and how do you read it in real time, that these banks are too big, were too big to fail? Well, absolutely. Uh, The saying and the description is still true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because let me tell you, we find them and we find them, and it's only the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can pay these fines and keep going. And as you know, they enter into our economy in some very interesting ways. When we had uh, COVID and we were assisting the families and we had, uh, you know, ways by we could put money into the homes, you know who ran all of that? The banks. Mm. And, of course, we had to depend on them. And guess what they did? They created these portals for their concierge clients, and they took care of businesses that were not even eligible, and we had to pull a lot of that money back, and we then had to recreate more money so that the CDFIs, that is community financial uh, institutions, and the small banks uh, could get their share mm-hmm. of what we were putting out there in order to make the loans to businesses and try and keep them there were over. There were some folks, th- yeah, there, there were some folks, you recall this, I remember it well, there was some, d- during that PPP period, when they were passing out this money, you said the banks were doing this, there were some major companies that got money, didn't even ask for it. They turned the money back that, in. They, right. they didn't even ask that's for right. it. That's right. And some of them turned it back, and we went and made others turn it back in. Uh, but uh, the banks were taking care of their big clients. Mm-hmm. And the big clients, like you said, some of them weren't even asking for it. So it's a constant watch on them because they have so much power. They are so 
integral to our economy until they have the power, they know how to weld the power. And the only way to try to hold them in check is to find them, to call them out, to do everything that is necessary uh, to force them to do what is right. We can count on our community banks. The community banks are not the same as the regional banks and the big banks. Mm -hmm. The community banks are the smaller banks who tend to work better with their uh, constituents in those communities. The big boys are, you know, the big Wells Fargo, it is Bank of America, it is City National. These are the big ones. And uh, there, there are any number of them who basically are very powerful and mm. very influential. When, when people walk up to you, as I, do, as I, as I assume they do uh, here and there, and of course I've been with you a number of places, and uh, so I'm there when people walk up to you. I've seen it. Um, but when folk walk up to you and ask you, um, given all the drama in our banking system, where they should put their money, uh, and I'm not talking about a particular bank by name. I'm not trying to shout anybody out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Given yeah. what you've laid out, though, when people ask you where they should put their money, what do you say? I tell people to support the community bank. Yeah. I tell people to support a community bank where you can go sit down and talk with someone, where you can count on uh, being uh, responded to. You know, the big banks now, even on their telephone menus, they're so, uh, you know, convoluted mm. until you can't get through. <laughs> and they really don't want, you know, uh, you know smaller uh, customers in their banks, and they're trying to make everything digital uh, to keep them out of the banks. They don't want to have tailors anymore. Uh, they want to create and turn all of this into digital. The smaller banks still uh, relate to their customers, and still you can go into the bank and you can talk with someone. Still you can ask for a loan and either get it or they tell you what you need to do in order to secure uh, you know, your collateral so that you can get that loan. But the big boys, they don't have time for you anymore. I don't recommend them at all. Mm. Finally, on, on this uh, on this issue, we'll talk a little politics in the five minutes we have left here before I let you go. Um, before you have to go. i <laughs> put it that way. Not before I let you go. Before you have to go. Um, you, you mentioned earlier in this conversation, at the, at the very top, in fact, that you were in a hearing earlier today, in fact, and uh, Republicans uh, did not want to, to force these banks to put more money uh, on deposit, if you will, so that if, in fact, uh, there's increase a run on the banks, capital. increase their increase capital. capital. Exactly. Right. Um, Republicans didn't want that. And again, I'm not naive in asking this. I understand they're all cozy and these relationships exist. But given yeah. what happened 15 years ago, why would they be stuck on stupid? We know this could happen again. Why would they not make them put more capital uh, away? They're brazen. They're absolutely brazen. And the reasons that they gave, well, if they have to hold more capital, they can't make the loans. And, and had nerve enough to say, you know, in so many words, this is going to hurt minorities. They won't be able to get the mortgages, and we, they won't be able to uh, uh, lend money. Well, they're not doing that anyway mm-hmm. uh, to the degree that they should be doing it. But they're brazen, uh, and even in the face of the, um, you know, the meltdowns that we've had going back, you know, um, you know to, to what happened in 2008, uh, and even what happened recently in California with Silicon Valley Bank and the others, they're brazen, and they still stand up for the banks and what the banks want. And so that's why we have to be in power. We have to get our numbers up 
so that those of us who are willing to fight uh, can fight to do things like we did with the Dodd-Frank reforms, where we could deal with predatory lending. Redlining is still going on, believe me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Predatory lending is still going on. We have been able uh, to deal with it somewhat, but still the banks are not doing what they should be doing. Yeah. Um, some breaking Trump news here. As I said earlier, I want to get your take on this. Um, so a judge uh, in uh, Georgia has ruled uh, just today that uh, Donald Trump will not have to stand trial in October. Um, there's a lot in this story. I'm, I'm just reading it myself, even as I'm talking to you. But the bottom line is that he won't have to uh, stand trial in October. He's given Trump and 16 other co-defendants more time um to uh, prepare and so here here starts the process here's the bottom line this starts the process that many were concerned about that some of these judges in some of these cases um might uh again start to give him more time to push uh, these cases back and if that happens uh it delays what many uh would are hoping uh, would happen and that is that there might be some guilty verdicts uh, in the midst of this campaign uh, and that might impact the outcome so here's the here's the first time we see a judge ruling that he does not have to go uh, on trial with others um, uh, in October and giving him more time uh, in that Georgia case. Your thoughts on that are writ large. Well, you know, here's what's happening. First of all, uh, the kind of lawyers that he have, these are big, well-paid lawyers who spend time, you know, 24 hours a day uh, learning the system and how to impact the system. And this money lawyers will, um, you know, go in with the kind of arguments, the kind of influence, uh, the kind of relationships that get these kind of decisions. I don't know exactly what reasons this um, this judge gave. Sometimes they're saying constitutionally, if they can make the case uh, that they won't be prepared in time uh, to go in, say, like in an October, uh, there's some uh, discussions that say constitutionally, you got to give them more time. I don't know what the case is here, mm-hmm. but of course, Trump is an expert at having the lawyer teams throughout his life that goes into courts and win on a lot of issues. Not only now uh, that he has been indicted uh, for basically, you know, all of what we've learned about how he tried to influence the election, et cetera, et cetera, but it goes way back uh, to when he and his daddy did not rent to people of color. They were discriminating against them. Uh, in that case, they ended up being paid a fine, but the uh, the people who had been harmed could not talk about it. They could not reveal how bad it was or what happened to them. But that's been any number of cases uh, that he's had. He's cheated, you know, contractors. He's treated, uh, 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 you know, really cheated uh, the small subcontractors mm-hmm. even. And he wins uh, because he has this these lawyers that he pays millions of dollars and he's been raising millions of dollars even every time he gets indicted he raises more money from his crowd and he's got it to spend on these well fancy lawyers well-paid fancy lawyers they go into court using everything that they know uh whether it's claiming it's constitutional or otherwise they know every trick in the book 
Yeah. Um, finally here, there's a poll that just came out today as well. Um, just came across uh, my desk as we were talking. A new poll from USA Today and Suffolk University uh, Sawyer Business School, which ties in nicely to our conversation. You you don't want to hear this. I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> this new poll, that, that this poll says that Americans trust Donald Trump more than Joe Biden to make the economy better by an 11-point margin. Now, it's just one poll, but it is USA Today, credible outlet. But an 11-point margin, uh, by an 11-point margin, Americans trust Trump more than Biden to make the economy better. Is that is that ridiculous or what to you? It is just painful. Yeah. It is more than ridic- ridiculous. It's, it just hurts yeah. uh, that you have that kind of ignorance mm-hmm. and you have that kind of commitment to someone who is undermining our entire democracy. Yeah. Uh, that remains in this country is not to be understood, except I think race plays a lot a big no. role in it. I think you're right about that. What's, what's sad about this is that Joe Biden has done such a good job stewarding the economy. Great job. Yeah, and he Great just job. he just can't get the credit. They, these polls keep suggesting that Trump would be better on the economy. I, I don't get it. it. It's something. There's something wrong. We, we have a dumbed down democracy, if you ask me. But I I digress on that. Congressman Waters, thank you for for the conversation as always. Thank you for being there. Thank you for the role you're the important role you're playing on the Financial Services Committee. And you're welcome here anytime. And you well know that. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you and the fact that you're providing the information and education that our communities need. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much.